you have your Bibles today, when you would, turn it to Mark chapter 1. I don't know where my Bible went to. Oh, thanks. There it is. Thanks, Winkleman. I told you I couldn't find my Bible, and you're just looking at it the whole time. I don't know. Phew. I thought we going to have to wing it there for a second. Oh, we're so glad that you are here today. Mother's Day is, for some, one of the most special days of the year. And for others, it is one of the hardest. Today, if you're here and you're blessed to have your mother with you, it's a wonderful day. If you're here and you've lost your mother, it is a very hard day. If you're here, whether or not you have your mother and it was a good relationship, it is a day to remember and rejoice. If you're here today and that relationship maybe wasn't so good, on your end or on theirs, today is very hard. And the hardest thing about days like Mother's Day and Father's Day is everybody expects you to preach on the holiday. And we preach verse by verse, word by word, book by book. And so, as I've been preparing over the last few months, I started out by saying, okay, it mentions John, so we'll talk about John's mom. And then I read that for a while and thought, no, that sermon doesn't sound quite right. Well, Jesus, we mentioned him, we'll talk about his mother. And then this morning about 4 or 4.30, whatever time it was, after being asleep for about 30 minutes, the Lord woke me up and said, I think you've got it all wrong. Not audibly, not audibly, but in my spirit and began to study the scripture. And the title of the sermon today is The Message of Hope. Uh, because no matter where you're at on the journey, if you're a parent, if you're not yet a parent, if your children are grown, I think all of us begin to ask questions like, did I do a good job? Am I doing a good job? Uh, my wife and I had an embarrassing moment this week. She called me and said, uh, I can't remember when one of our kids' birthdays is. And I said, oh, no, I can't either. She was at the doctor's office looking like an idiot, and I was in public looking like an idiot. And in that moment, I thought, oh, I know what number four's birthday is, but I just can't remember it. You say, why do you number your kids? You try to remember six all the time. Anyway, I got on church track, and the church had what day the birthday was on. <laughs> we were close, let's just say that. But, and that's kind of a funny story, but if you're honest, we've probably all had those discussions. In the world that's pulling us apart and trying to get us involved in this and that as a parent, sometimes you just lay your head on the pillow and think, what? Am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? Am I, am I honoring the Lord? Am I not honoring the Lord? Have I, have I failed? Maybe you look back and you think, Jake, my kids are grown and I just wish I would have. Today I want you to know that we have a message of hope. John the Baptist has been ministering. It's been six months since the baptism of Jesus. And it starts out by telling us that he is in prison. We know this had to happen because in John chapter 3, John the Baptist told us himself, he must increase, but I must decrease. I think that's very fitting when we think about being parents, when we think about moms, we look at our children and hope they have more opportunities than we did. Even if we had a wonderful childhood, we want our kids to have an even better one. 
And so I think there's so many things that go through our mind. Uh, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 31, verses 30 and 31 about mothers. It says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And so we say that being a godly parent, being a godly mother, um, being a godly woman pays great dividends, but what does that look like? One of two things usually happens to us. Usually we think we're too good or we think we're too bad. We think we've done too many good things and no failures, or yet we've been a total failure and haven't had any good. Deuteronomy 6 tells us what it looks like to train up our children. Tells us, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so as I was praying this morning, reading these two verses over and over and over again, just praying, Lord, what would you have me to say? What, what is the answer on Mother's Day for so much emotion and so much uh, just confusion and so much going on in the world? And the Lord said the message that Jesus preached is the message that we need to be repeating, that we need to be applying, that we need to be sharing with the people that we love the most. And so if you would stand with me as we read verses 14 and 15 of Mark chapter 1. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Pray with me. Father, today we thank you for your many blessings to us, the way you love us. Father, today as we come and remembering our mothers and, Lord, the impact of parents on their kids and the faith, Lord, let us never forget the gospel is what we need the most in every situation, every circumstance, and in every relationship. And so, Father, today I ask that you would speak through me. You know my confusion, my struggles, my failures, and I ask that you would work in spite of them. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things we hear is so many times is when talking about mothers and parents that they were at every event that I was ever at. They never missed a ball game. They never missed a choir practice. They never missed an underwater basket weaving competition, right? They were, they were at everything. They were a success. But friends, we forget sometimes that that single mother that would love to be at her kid's ball game is working two jobs trying to provide for her family and can't be there. Or the mother that's taking care of her sick and dying mother herself can't get away to go to choir practice. Or to that mother who is struggling with her own problems and just can't seem to be where she needs to be. In those moments, we define failure and success. Many of you, maybe you're looking back at your life and you're looking at your grown children and you're saying, they're not here today. They want nothing to do with church. They want nothing to do with God. And I, I feel like a failure. Maybe you're here today and they're sitting next to you, but yet you know the only reason they're here is for you. 
And so, so many emotions and so many things come together in our hearts and lives. And so, what is the answer to the question of, am I pleasing God? Am I honoring God? And when I lay my head on the pillow at night, am I, am I who God wants me to be? I'm judging myself by everyone else's pictures on the internet. Right? I'm, I'm judging myself by everybody else's graduation celebrations. I'm, I'm judging my marriage by everyone else's vacation pictures. But as we lay on our heads on the pillow, the question is, what does it mean for me? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt that way or thought that way, but if you were honest today, I am guessing that you would be in the same boat. And so just two very quick things I want to show from you this morning from this text that Jesus preached that I believe you and I need to focus in in our lives. The first one is the message that God has a plan. Look at verses 14 and the first part of verse 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What that means is that Jesus arrives on the scene and His message is everything that God promised you, all of the Old Testament that was pointing to, I am here. The purposes and plans that God had to save you from your sins, to give you hope, to give you an answer, to give you victory, I am here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, we see those exact same words when the apostle writes, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you whom through Him believe in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. God did not look at Adam and Eve in the garden when they fell and say, now what do I do? God had always had a plan and a purpose that He was going to send Jesus, that He knew your sin, that He knew my sin, and that there was an answer to the problems of this world and His name is Jesus And so when we look at our children, whether they're grown, whether they're young, when we look at our nieces and nephews and our grandchildren, we can always be confident in the knowledge that knowing that God has a purpose and plan for them. We can confidently teach them that while life seems difficult and life seems confusing and and people will hurt you and people will disappoint you and and you're going to fail and you're even going to maybe hurt the people that you love, that God is not surprised that God doesn't look at you as so broken and hopeless and unworkable and unredeemable that you are without hope. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is beginning His ministry and He is asked to read the scroll. And these are the words that He reads in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set to liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
As a parent, I can confidently talk to my children whether they are oppressed, whether they are brokenhearted, whether they are in poverty, whether they are oppressed in every situation and tell you and tell them that God was not surprised. That God knew the pain that you'd been. He knew the heartbreak that you would face. And He had a plan in action. He had the kingdom of God to come. The Son of God to arrive. You say, well, Jake, I just don't know if my family situation is beyond repair. I don't know if my loved ones can be helped. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus tells us who He has come to and who He is focused on. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so you say, well, Jake, how does that help my grown children's marriage? The answer is Jesus. Well, you say, Jake, how does that help me in my time of loss as I am going through losing the people that I love the most? The answer is Jesus. You say, well, Jake, how do, I, how do I deal with this relationship that I've broken or that someone has done to me? What, what is the answer? The answer is Jesus. You see, on a day like today, there are so many thoughts that go through our mind and so many scriptures that we could reference from out the Old Testament and the New Testament. But yet, when we get down to it, all of the self-help and all the advice and all the counseling and all of it can all be summed up in the fact that God is the answer. He is the hope that my family needs. He is the hope that my marriage needs. But, what's the second thing? You're saying, man, this is going to be short. Maybe if you're lucky. The second thing is our response to the plan of God. We see that He has a plan. We see that He was sent for a reason. But what is our response to the truth? Well, it shows itself in verse 15, the second part. Repent and believe in the gospel. This word for repent is metanoia. It means to turn from the direction you're going to something. It means here is the message. Here is the hope. Here is the plan of God. Here is the answer. The question is, what do you do with it? In the book of Acts, chapter 3, the Bible says it like this, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted. What that means is when the Spirit of God begins to convict you, as the Bible says, the Holy Spirit was sent into the world to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That when the Spirit of God begins to deal with you and to convict you of the sin in your life, you are to respond to the good news of the gospel. You're to repent. You're to turn. Turning from your sin, from your wickedness, to Him. Believing in Him as the answer to your problem with sin. The answer to your problem with loneliness. Romans 10 describes it like this, starting in verse 8. But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, Jake, what does this have to do with Mother's Day? I'm glad that you asked. The three most attended days of church in the calendar year are Easter, Christmas, and what do you think? Mother's Day. The three least attended church days of the year are Memorial Day, Labor's Day, and Father's Day. It's been that way in this church for a lot since I've been here. And most of you, if you're honest, can probably think back in your family or think back in someone's family you know and can say something like, My grandmother, she's the one that took us to church. She's the one that prayed for us. I uh, told the first service I have... Um, I do a lot of visiting in this area. And anyone that lives south of Ten Mile Church and is over the age of 30, when I say, have you ever been to church, you will not believe the amount of people who said, yeah, Reva Phillips picked me up and took me to vacation Bible school. Just think about that for a second. Or maybe in your life it was a grandma or a mother. And the problem is what we've seen is, and this is the honest truth, if it wasn't for the faith of women, most churches would be dead. They would be gone. And so when we see Mother's Day and we look at this message of the gospel, the thing that I would tell you is there are some things about mom that will cause you to listen just a little more intently. I tell this story, I've told it numerous times, I'll tell it till I die. And uh, if you've heard it, just suck it up and sit through it. I spent six years of my life as a raging alcoholic. Wanted nothing to do with the Lord. I felt under conviction every night, but by the time the morning was there, it was all good in the world. In December of 2006... I asked my mother what she wanted for Christmas. She said, I just want you to go to church with me. Now, I had no desire to go to church for the Lord. I had no desire to go to the church for myself. But even a heathen knows you're supposed to love your mom. You know what the problem with Christmas Sunday is? It falls on. Sunday. You know what the problem with Sunday is if you're a raging alcoholic? It comes after Saturday night. And I can promise you that morning, the Lord was working through an invitation of a mother for her son. I'm pretty sure I smelled like the tavern when I got to church that morning. I know I felt like the ashtray that I had been living in. I have no idea who was there that day, but I know the Lord began to deal with me. The Lord began to change me. And I have never been the same again. 
It's because the power of the gospel was preached. It's because someone invited. It's because someone shared. It's because someone told. And today I say this with all of the wisdom I can give you. Friends, you might raise them to be athletes. You might raise them to vote the right way. You might leave them a fortune when you die. But if what your kids know you as is anything other than a lover of Jesus, friends, we failed. Our kids should know that we love Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are more than happy to talk about Him any chance that we get because of what He's done for us. Because how He's changed us. Because how He's saved us. And so friends, today if you gather with your family or today as you call them on the phone, there are so many things you could talk about. There are so many good things you can enjoy. But friends, never forget the message that Jesus came with. Repent and believe. And what did He want them to repent and believe in? Him. The fact that we now know that He was coming to die on the cross. To take the punishment for your sin and my sin. To die, to be buried, and to rise again. And friends, if you and I will share the good news of Jesus, if we will continue to pray and witness and show the example that God would have us to show, I believe the Lord will use you to reach your family, to make a difference in your home. You say, Jake, is there any examples of that in the Bible? I am so glad that you would ask. Because I want to just show you two that impacted John. We know that John's mother, Elizabeth, was an older woman. Past the age of childbearing. But yet the Bible says this about Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John. And they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. God had a specific mission and a purpose and a plan for John to be the preacher that came before Jesus, the forerunner as the Bible says, and he places him right in this home of a godly mother and a godly father. And as they taught John, we know that he grew up and took the Nazareth vow and was used by God. But I want to show you another mother that had a dramatic impact in John's life for the other direction. If you notice, John is in prison at this point. We know from Mark chapter 6 why he was in prison, and I'm not going to go into the whole story because we'll read it when we get there. But John the Baptist has preaching to a man by the name of Herod. And he was telling him, you are wicked because you have taken your brother's wife, you've married her. And you can't be doing that. It's wrong. It's sexually wrong. It's wrong in every way. And so, in order to please his wife, he throws John in prison. But in Mark chapter 6, they're having a big celebration. They're having a great big party. And this stepdaughter of his dances and pleases him. And if I'm not mistaken, the Bible says you can have half of the kingdom. Whatever you ask, you can have. And I want you to see what goes on next in verse 24. It says, So she went out and said to her, Mother, what shall I ask? And she said, 
the head of John the Baptist. It goes on to say, immediately she came in with haste to the king. She didn't just wait around. She came excited and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Do you know why she came with haste? She wanted to please her mother. God gives us influence for a reason. There are people that look up to you, that'll listen to you, that'll never listen to me. There's people you work with that your testimony has impacted them, that they know, even though I might not agree with them, they are the real deal. And they would listen to you and not me. But what we see here is an example of a mother who impacts her son John the Baptist for the good and a woman who impacts her child for the not good. And my challenge to you today is when it comes to the gospel, who are you? Are you the parent that is trying to implant in your children the word of God? Are you a mother who is leading the example for your children? Are you a grandmother that's willing to talk to your kids about the things of God? I'm so thankful, even in this own church, I see so many grandparents bringing their grandkids and and the parents don't want to. Don't give up. Don't give up. So many times, friends, you never know how God is going to use your testimony in your life in reaching someone else. On the flip side of that, If you're honest enough today, could you say, well, Jake, I've not been the witness that I should. Not been the example that I should. And friends, in that moment, you have one of two choices. You can either give up and feel guilty. Or you can do what Jesus said, repent and believe. That God can forgive you. That God will forgive you. That God is not done with you. That even though that replacement relationship might be damaged, it's not dead. Even though that relationship might be um, bent, it's not broken. And you have to believe that the gospel can change everything. That Jesus truly can save the wayward. That He can save the confused. That He can save the broken. I say all of that because so many times you might not ever see the results of that. It might come long after you're gone. But don't quit. Keep the main things the main things. Keep the focus on where it should be. And trust the Lord to produce the results. And so today as I ask Jamie to come, and I ask Janice to come, I hope that you'll be thinking about that. What do our relationships look like? What are my conversations with my children? What are my conversations with my grandchildren? Does the gospel ever come up? Does Jesus and what He's done for me, is that ever the topic of conversation? Well, my kids know I go to church. My kids know that I'm conservative. None of those things are what matters. You need to tell them about Jesus. You need to tell them about what He did for them. What He's done for you. You say, Jake, they don't want to hear it. Just keep praying. Keep looking for opportunities. 
Keep inviting. Don't quit. Because my prayer for you is if you have a prodigal, that one of these days, even if it's not behind this pulpit, that some service that they're having a testimony time, a young man or woman will stand up and say, oh, I was far from God. But God used a praying mother, praying father, a praying grandmother. Oh, I couldn't get my parents to take me to church, but oh, my grandma, she was always there. My grandpa, he was always there teaching me the things of God. Friends, you never know the impact you might have when it comes to kingdom things until much later. I heard a sermon yesterday at a funeral and a man said these words and I've never thought of them. He said, for you and I, the scene doesn't mean much. It's a body of water, we swim in it, we boat in it, we cruise in it, we enjoy it. But in the gospel, writer John, who wrote John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. In the book of Revelation, he gives him the knowledge that there will be no sea in heaven. And I always read that and think, what does that have to do with anything? What's the big deal? You know. But he said to John, it made a big deal. Because John was on the Isle of Patmos, separated from everyone that he loved. All the churches that he had ministered to, all the people that he had cared about, between him and them was what? A sea. And when, the, when John was told there'll be no sea in heaven, it was like God reminding him there is no separation in heaven. There is no brokenness in heaven. There is no, no things that divide in heaven. And friends, that's the hope that we have. For those of us that know Jesus, even though we might have broken relationship with our parents, broken relationship with our children, that friends, when we get right with Him, whether on this side or the next, all things will be made right. But it's only because of the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you would stand with us as we pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, You know that I stutter, I stammer. Lord, I... I, this is not what I had planned. It's, it's not even on my radar, but Lord, it's Your Word. And I'm going to trust that Your Word and the leadership of Your Holy Spirit knows the needs in this place today. And so, Father, for those individuals that are here today with unforgiveness and bitterness toward a parent, toward a child, Lord, today I ask that You'd begin to deal with them, that relationship that they wish they could have fixed that relationship that they're wanting to fix, God, that today You would impress upon each and every one of us that You can. But Lord, most importantly today, I pray that in all of the busyness of life, all the busyness of church, that each and every one of us can honestly say that we have repented and believed in You. That we understand Your purpose and plan for coming and seeking the saving the lost. And Lord, that no church attendance, no baptism, nothing else can save other than you. And so Lord, what a great testimony on this day where we honor and celebrate mothers. Lord, that you would give new life, spiritual rebirth through your son. So Father, I just ask it all in Jesus' name.
Amen.